Welcome to episode 46 of Teach Me Tiger. That was good. Teach Me Tiger. It's a show where we bring in our experty pals and they teach us about stuff. <laughs> Yay, stuff. <laughs> it's a really scientific term, so you guys might need to go look that one up. But um, yeah, can I do a quick Google on that and yeah. just uh, double check that I know what that means? Yeah, definitely. Okay, thanks. Okay. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Okay. okay. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Today I have Nikki. Nikki's with Hi. me. Nikki Roshan Kaiser, co-hosting the show, but she's also kind of experty or used to be experty on the topic, which I is... I have like some good knowledge about a chunk of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about, Nikki? Metal. 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 Yes. We're talking about metal, different kinds of metal, some satanic shit, and more with our friend Steve. Kind of like both of our new friend. Chris knows him. I'm married to Chris, therefore Steve is my friend. That's totally how that works. Friend Before, by association. Exactly. Second degree. First degree? That makes it sound bad, though. That makes me think of bad things that happen to people. Second oh. degree friend? <laughs> Does that mean he, at the end of the podcast... Does that mean he's, like, gonna die, but I didn't mean to? <laughs> I think so, except maybe it's no, like manslaughter <laughs> oh shit so what's second degree i think one is when it's premeditated and one yes. is when it's spontaneous but i don't know which one is which oh and then manslaughter is when you kill them but it was boxer. accidental yeah but okay. which sounds so much worse manslaughter sounds so much worse to me than murder yeah totally you might as well call it like butchering yeah it sounds <laughs> brutal Totally. But it was an accident. It was manslaughter. Okay. I was also I was also listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about first, second, and third degree tears during childbirth. So I am not gonna call Steve any degree of friend. <laughs> I mean you also have pelvic organ prolapses that are done by degrees. So that's what we'll call him. <laughs> Second degree pelvic organ prolapse. <laughs> so nice to be here with you. <laughs> That's the most metal thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it actually kind of is. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, before we get to Steve, Nikki, do you have any weak peaks? I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to Mexico and I'm really happy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Are you staying at like an all-inclusive sort we of thing? We are. I don't have to make any food. Um, That's really what I'm looking the most forward to. Is there Someone lots else of making all the food? Is there lots of vegetarian stuff down there? Because like they're into beans, right? Yeah, when, I've only been to a resort once, but I ate really well because there's like always tons of avocado and vegetables and rice and nice. definitely beans. Yeah, it's gonna be I'm, good. I want to go to Mexico. Me too. Oh wait, I am. <laughs> wait till you hear how depressing my week peak is. <laughs> it's even more depressing now because you're going to Mexico and I'm staying. Still I know, but it, there's still time for it to not happen. 
That's not true, Nikki. Don't say that. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you feel better. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't want you to jinx yourself. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So what's your week peak? My week peak is putting away all of the Christmas shit at work because Christmas in retail is over. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, I like yeah. took down that all feels the so good. sparkly shit that was like everywhere in the store and took down the Christmas tree at the front of the store. It made a sales section of Christmas stuff. And I was the only one working that day. And so I got to like DJ the whole day. Wicked. Oh, okay. but my, uh, can I tell you quick other week peek? Yeah. What I'm doing tomorrow. So you're going to Mexico. Cool, cool, cool. I'm going <laughs> to see the new film adaptation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats tomorrow. <laughs> oh, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> we watched the preview twice, like two different previews. And I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> like, this looks so super friggin' weird. But can you kids- call me after? And can I ask you some questions just to make sure you're okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just call you and cry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> But we're going to go with, like, a couple of the kids' friends. So it'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And, like, the kids are going to love it. I might cry. But I think the kids are going to love it. Yeah, definitely. Well, they'll love it because they won't understand, like, the tragedy that it is. (laughs) What's the... Is there, like, an underlying tragedy in the story? I don't even... I've never seen it. No, apparently the movie is just a tragedy. Like, it's a train wreck. Yeah. Apparently it's just the horrible... And that's like saying a lot because most movies are horrible. Oh, shit. Well, I already paid for the tickets. so Dude, you're going to have the best time. <laughs> I should. <laughs> it just might it. change you. <laughs> I wish I weren't driving because it would be really great to show up with like a full flask of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Smoke a cigarette while I'm at it. Why can't I smoke in the theater? That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you can't do that anymore? At a kid's movie. Come on. I mean, how's how are the kids going to learn how to smoke? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> the way that we got Soren to sit still for his haircut this morning was by letting him play with the ashtray that was in the arm of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? <laughs> it's an ashtray. <laughs> ashtray. <laughs> Need a smoke, buddy? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, before we get into the rest of the podcast, I just yes. wanted to apologize for my the last time I was on and I was talking about like cultural appropriation and the problematic things that white people do and I blah 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 it. Um, and um, 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 um but I don't remember that. What were you talking about specifically? I was talking about how you were we were talking about what our favorite decade was. And um. I said, Oh, I really like the sixties and you know, there was cultural appropriation and blah 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 and that was not cool. And I just That you said to, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, because I think it just belittled oh, uh, the okay. very real things that happened and like the right. very real things that marginalized populations are still going through. And I just, that was not a cool way to end that sentence. It was really just me being like, I don't know how to end this sentence. <laughs> and then saying blah, 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 which was not cool. So, well, that's that's good of you. I think it's it proves that you are very cool, that you noticed that you did that and that that was potentially hurtful. So I give you a gold star and a cool stamp. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am definitely trying. <laughs> I'm definitely trying. Should we get on to the metal? metal. Can you say metal in like the most metal voice? Metal! <laughs> that actually really hurt. Oh, I was just going to say don't hurt yourself. Well, it was great. 
I think it was worth it. It's worth it for you. (laughs) We have with us today, Steve Needham. Needs some ham? Yes, I do. (laughs) Do you love ham? I I, asked because, so Steve's internet handles all involve ham. Needs some ham, right? Yes. uh, Well, my my last name is uh, Needham. And then just to kind of make fun of myself so that no, I beat everyone else to it. Right. I, you know, say need ham or need some ham. I actually uh, want to get a small tattoo of like a cartoon ham bone with a question mark beside it. Nice. Just somewhere <laughs> funny. So. so these are the things I know about Steve. Oh, good. <laughs> Steve worked with my husband, Chris, at the Perth Brewery. Yes. He's a cool guy. Oh, well, thank you. He's got great hair oh. and great beard. Excellent. And tattoos and a winning smile. I don't know a lot about you, Steve. (laughs) And you like babies a lot. That's the thing that I always remembered about you at the brewery is whenever I would come in with my baby, you were like the biggest softie there. Oh, yes. I love babies. They're just... But the most metal looking person. (laughs) I think that's that's the funny part about it is I don't look like, you know, I'm a baby guy. But yeah, I definitely love babies. Yes. Yeah. My little baby is like my entire world, so... Yeah. (laughs) Aw. Not me. Can't wait for mine to go to school next year. (laughs) And you're in a band? Yes. What's your band? We are called Eve of Uprise. Nice. Cool. Yeah. And we're going to talk about metal. (laughs) Real quick before we do that, Nikki is coming through our headphones. Nikki's on the show remotely today. So it'll just be Steve fishing around in my box. (laughs) Would you like to reach in my box? (laughs) Yes, of course. Roll up your sleeves, pull up your socks, reach on into Melody's box. Icebreakers. All right, I'm not looking, I'm just reaching. (laughs) Okay, and then pass it to me. Okay. Please. This, maybe I'll ask you this first, Nikki. Okay. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I used to play in like shitty punk and alternative rock bands as a teenager as well. Yeah, not very awesome. well and not very often. But but he... I bet you looked really good while you were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I played bass and who doesn't love a female bass player? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I remember like having like a couple of particularly bad shows. And my dad, when I was younger, he was just like, you know what? Chuck it up to experience. Like put it on the board. Like did the little number sign in the air. Put yeah, it on the board, chalk it up to experience. Roll on, <laughs> like okay, chalk That's it up. Cool. That's such good dad yeah. advice. Dad advice. Dad advice. <laughs> That's dad perfect. Dad advice. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I never understood what chalk it up actually meant. That it referred to writing on a chalkboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that? Uh, I kind of thought, yeah, it might mean something like that, like just adding it to the list kind of thing. All right. Well. Now I know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it applies to so many things in life, like not just being 16 and playing a terrible punk rock show. Yeah. It applies to a lot of things in life. Do you still think of it now? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Not as much as I should. There are definitely times where in retrospect, I'm like, why didn't I just chalk that up? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just move on. Not worth it. (laughs) Almost everything is easier said than done. Totally. Yeah. Especially when it comes to dealing with your own failures. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, do you have any memorable advice that anyone's ever told you? I was thinking about that while uh, while you were asking Nikki, and I've gotten a lot of really good advice and a lot of really bad advice over the years. Um, What's the worst advice you've ever received? That's <laughs> yeah. more fun. Oh, that's a that's a tough one. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm sure there's been some. I, I uh, rolled my parents' van when I was 17 on my birthday. Oh God! Uh, through doing some drinking and uh, 
I was told by my girlfriend, just go home. So at the time, so I, I did and yep. ended up uh, rolling a van and getting arrested. That's awesome. That was bad advice. That was bad advice. <laughs> and, Definitely. you know, I shouldn't have taken it in the first place. Right. But one of the my favorite uh, best advice that I ever got, uh, I was at a wrestling tournament in high school. It was yeah. like the finals and I was all kind of in anticipation of the match. You know, the guy was really good. And I was kind of giving myself some stuff doubt and like yeah. i just wasn't really as confident as i could be and i was talking to a another coach about it poured out all this like you know anxiety and he just looked at me and was like you know what six piece chicken in a bucket fuck it get out there and wrestle <laughs> and i was like i just stood there with my mouth open it all made sense for some reason and i went out there and, and had a really good match i ended up losing but um moral of the story was it was good advice did you get fried chicken after no but i should have totally. actually that would have made the story way better yeah. It was still pretty good. <laughs> you could just add that. Yes, this is true. I definitely, I definitely got it afterwards. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. How was your ice feeling? It's 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 pretty. It's it's, it's melted. Melted. Yeah. Great. So you're sitting in a puddle. Totally. I'm wet. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Icebreakers. Okay. Great. So, guys, Steve, Nikki, <laughs> what's metal? How do you define metal? Well, um, hard question. Yeah. I don't know. Metal to me is, uh, it's a, it's a lot. It's like a subculture. It's like a way of dressing. It's kind of like a mindset. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the, the style of music, loud, heavy, aggressive, you know, that kind of feeling you can get where, you know, it doesn't matter what other people think, you know, you, you feel like you belong, yeah. you know, that music makes you feel like you belong. It, yeah. it gives you just a, almost like a, a way of getting aggression out kind of thing without having to actually physically do anything other than at a show. If you go into the mosh pit and just like go crazy, which is always fun. Uh, is it? I'm confused by mosh pits because I don't like getting hurt. Do you guys both love mosh pits? I do. Oh, yeah. It depends on the mosh pit. Like when I would go to like normal punk shows or, you know, like grunge rock shows or whatever when I was younger, I did. Yeah. But then when I got a little bit older and I started listening to hardcore, I do not like those mosh pits because they get a little, they get pretty violent. There's like floor punching. Oh, yes. Arms flailing around. It's pretty intense. Then there's this other thing called a circle pit where everyone runs around in a circle and it just seems like really chaotic and. I'm not I'm not in it to get hurt. Clarification there, are people in it to get hurt? Like is that what they're uh I don't think the like main goal is to get hurt. I think <laughs> that you okay. recognize that you will. <laughs> right. And then you kinda you just kinda like that's just part of the experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like the old school mosh pit where you're just like packed in with a bunch of people and you're jumping up and down and there's people crowd surfing, like that's fun. I don't I still wouldn't do it now. But that's fun. The other day after my kid's uh, Christmas concert, I was in the hall, like near the classroom, and it felt like a mosh pit because there were so many parents crowded in the hall. And I was like, Sarah, lift me up. <laughs> but I didn't do it. <laughs> Just like start throwing elbows to make some room. <laughs> Just dance really big. <laughs> Hardcore is like more towards punk rock, right? Or is that not right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah punks get pretty crazy that's I, what i heard yeah i love punk music myself yeah like older punk music like misfits and stuff like that uh mm -hmm. clash like those earlier kind of punk bands mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and motorhead's kind of punk too right yeah they uh, their style of music draws on uh you know like a fusion of of punk and and um like that early hard rock kind of stuff and and new wave british heavy metal kind of thing 
yeah. those early bands, like Thrash itself, like bands like Metallica and Megadeth and Anthrax, like those big four Slayer, which, you know, you and I both love Slayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're created off of like punk and the harder stuff in that time frame. But yeah. they wouldn't be able to have that type of influence if those bands didn't come before them. So totally. Origins of Metal, who are the like the original metal bands? Can you say definitively-ish? When I think of like the early origins of metal, I think of like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, Blue Oyster Cult, Deep Purple, Mm -hmm. like that kind of, it's not like metal the way we think about it now, but it had a lot of like early, heavy, kind of like thick sounds. Yeah. Nice. I think those are some of the names that came up on Wikipedia, which we all know to be an authority <laughs> on metal and metal <laughs> culture. Yeah. There's actually, uh, Nikki, maybe you've seen this. Um, there's a documentary or a docudrama, I guess, called Metal, A Headbanger's Journey. Oh, and that yeah. actually, um, the guy who wrote it and like made the movie, his name is Sam Dunn and he's a, is an anthropologist as a study of human culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the movie is basically a study of, heavy metal as a subculture of society. Cool. And it's a, it's a really cool perspective on what makes metal and the origins and everything like mm-hmm. that. And in it, he actually mentions, he has like a, a, a family tree made that's actually oh. really neat. And you could probably pull it up on Google if you, uh, if you searched metal tree, but they mention in there that yes, yeah, deep purple and, and bands like that, that were like some of the earlier rock bands definitely gave way to the rest of that heavier stuff that followed like Led Zeppelin. And then that way he said, there was a band that they mentioned in that movie too, called um, blue cheer. Yeah. 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 Have you ever heard of them? Oh yeah. I've heard of them. Yeah. They weren't, they were kind of a blip on the screen kind of thing, but they were one of the first bands to really start using like heavier guitar tones and and stuff like that. uh, A little bit before uh, black Sabbath, but black Sabbath, like if you ask me like who, the, the original heavy metal band is my money always goes on black sabbath totally what song what song my favorite song by them there's so many like i was actually a, a pretty big black sabbath freak when yeah. i was in in high school um oh, i don't know there's so many good ones one of the ones though that is like definitive for that kind of sound that uh kind of gave way to heavy metal getting a little bit of a reputation later on in, in the years yeah uh, is uh their title track black sabbath Oh, it's just called Black Sabbath? Yeah, okay. yeah. And in that song, Nikki, you probably heard of this, uh, the tritone. Oh, they really make yeah. use of the tritone in that song, which is a diminished fifth in, in uh, blues scale. Oh. Yeah, and I don't cool. know if you know anything about that. I the, don't. <laughs> it's um, the diminished fifth um, back in the uh, Middle Ages and stuff like that was a musical note that uh, out of all the scales is the only one, uh, I think it's the B scale. Mm. Musicians, don't don't kill me for this. Um, but uh, we're going to be getting a lot of angry letters, Steve. <laughs> yeah, you got it wrong. But it's the only one without a uh, a perfect fifth. Um, okay. And so when you played that note back then, it was the note that was associated with calling the beast. You know, the devil. oh okay, um, because it has a certain like um, sound to it that it kind of like raises the hairs on your your skin kind of thing and like gives you this this uh, frazzled emotional state. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> do you guys want to hear this clip? Totally. Yeah. Watches the 
Do we want to play another quick clip of an example of early metal pioneer type stuff? Are there any other songs that are like, would you say are sort of quintessential? There's, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of them. What do you think, Nikki? Cashmere by Led Zeppelin is probably like one of my favorite old school, heavy, just, it's like a wall of sound. Yeah. (laughs) In a good way. (laughs) In a good way. That's a really good song. got like a big sound to it too which is you know something that's obviously really common in metal is like the uh the overall presence of the music itself you know kind of like thick yeah exactly we like it thick also <laughs> <laughs> what she said so what got you guys into metal what did it for you my grade school best friend had an older brother who was older enough that we thought he was like the coolest person in the whole world. I think he would he would have been like 16 or 17 when we were 11, 12. So he had his own room in the basement and it smelled like Jakar Noir, which is <laughs> very 80s. Ew, <laughs> sounds like a sexy scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we would hang out in the basement and like play video games. And there was this VHS board game called Nightmare that I'm pretty sure he introduced us to, which was like a horror board game that had this creepy face on the screen called the gatekeeper. This is also super metal. (laughs) Sounds cool. And the whole point of the game is you're supposed to go around and collect keys and he would try and stop you. And you got called a filthy maggot. And, (laughs) you know, it was like 1990, I guess. So we were young enough and like the technology was new enough that you felt like, his eyes were following you and he was really seriously talking to you and seeing into your soul. And then in the background, his, her brother would be playing like Iron Maiden. And it was just like a really awesome little time capsule. He had a flag on the door, the Iron Maiden mummy. Like, man, Brian's so cool. <laughs> he smells so good. He smells so good. <laughs> Iron Maiden zombie, uh, his name is Eddie. He's like a, a big character representation at a lot of their shows. Whatever their tour is, they have him represented in whatever the subject matter is of the album that they're promoting. Yeah. So if it's something like war based, they have him like, you know, with an army helmet on with a stogie sticking out of his mouth. kind of thing. it's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, guys, I have an important question. Is metal the devil's work? Metal! Yes. <laughs> so how did metal play into all the satanic panic stuff in the 70s and 80s? Like, are they actually, is metal linked with Satanism? Or is it just, like, fear-mongering? Is there actually a link there? Like, I don't think it was, like, I don't know, super linked early on. But, like, by the time the 80s came around and uh, Tipper Gore was uh, involved in politics, she led the uh, charge with the PMRC, the Parents Musical Resource Center. Okay. And uh, when that was launched, it was basically to control children's access to music that contained the subject matter of like the occult, sex, violence, drugs, that sort of thing. Right. And she eventually had a list made that was called the Filthy Fifteen. <laughs> in which uh, 15 different bands, uh, eight of which were metal, I believe, and Madonna was on there. 
Oh, I bet. She's the filthiest. Oh, yeah. Did you see her trying to French, uh, what's his name? Drake? <laughs> no. You see her trying to like, she like slipped him the tongue on stage. Oh, like, he was really not into it. I bet not. Her boyfriend, her new boyfriend is in his like late 20s, I think. Yeah. So gross. <laughs> well, it's Madonna. Yeah, I guess. Eh? <laughs> totally. But uh, that, that Filthy 15 list basically was um, a list of bands and musicians, artists that were banned from uh, having their music publicated in, in certain oh. ways. From publication. See, yeah. I, w- I would think you'd like want to be on that list, but if you couldn't really like. <laughs> and that led to lots of uh, protests and stuff like that yeah. uh, against people's music like that, because it's a really easy to, with metal specifically, uh, mm-hmm. to misunderstand the lyrics and what they mean, you know? Yeah. Uh, in that case, specifically D Snyder from uh, Twisted Sister. Yeah. Which was like a, a glam metal band. Yeah. In which he would dress up like, you know, in his wife's clothing kind of thing and lingerie and stuff like that. And then go out in front of a crowd of 30,000 people and sing rock and roll. He went and um, testified to the U.S. Congress, I believe, defending like his music and, and the song mm-hmm. lyrical content in one of his songs in particular, which was uh, about his, I think his drummer's throat surgery. They were oh. accusing him of having uh, it being like about uh, sadomasochism and bondage and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then he came out and, you know, they didn't expect him to have a defense prepared. And he defended himself very well and basically made it like, clear that, you know, they were wrong. Nice. But they still ended up banning the song, I think. I oh, can't shit. remember what the song was, but. Oh, she sounds lame, that tipper. <laughs> so the satanic panic was like, I don't know if hearsay is the right word, but like rumors and whatever. Right. But then there were two things that happened in the mid 80s that were kind of more legitimate connections, legitimate in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first one was a drug dealer named Ricky Casso. Okay. Is, like, of course, you're a drug dealer in the 80s. Your name is Ricky Casso. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was high on mescaline and murdered his friend and said he did it because Satan made him do it. Oh my goodness. And I would go out on a limb and say that mescaline made him do it, but I mean, (laughs) that's just me. (laughs) But apparently he, after he killed his friend, he would take teens from the neighborhood to show them the body. And he was like, yo, look what I did. Like I'm a spawn of Satan or a follower of Satan. He was a a self-professed Satanist. Okay. And allegedly was part of something called the Knights of the Black Circle, which was never proven and probably didn't exist, but they threw that around. And then his dad actually came out and was like, no, he's definitely a devil worshiper. He listens to Ozzy Osbourne and Judas Priest. (laughs) That's proof that he's a Satanist. (laughs) So that was the first time there was like a direct connect between Mm -hmm. the two from what I, I found. And then there was another, this is like a really strange case where these two dudes, they were like 18 and 21, I think. They were like partying all night and getting drunk. And they thought it would be a really good idea to go to a playground and shoot themselves. It doesn't say where, (laughs) but they lived. But then they survived. So it was either like a really bad suicide attempt or it was just like a cry for help. I don't know. But they tried to sue Judas Priest because they said that it was because of subliminal messages in Judas Priest's music. Sounds like that made I would them get drunk and shoot themselves in a children's playground. <laughs> I would argue that if it was subliminal messages, they were not very effective. No, nope. <laughs> You guys made it out. <laughs> We're not suing you about the existence of subliminal messages. It's just that they didn't instruct us effectively. <laughs> they didn't work. <laughs> you know, 
that that specific case that you're mentioning, I think in that metal a headbanger's journey, I yeah. I believe I seen like KK Downing, which is the guitarist of Judas Priest and Rob Halford, like sitting in a courtroom, like there's a flash of it. So maybe that's what that one was about. Yeah. 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 We don't help ourselves metalheads by like, you know, the way we dress and the subject matter of the songs and all that sort of stuff, the aggressiveness of it. It's an easy target to say, well, that's that's clearly the problem. You know? I yeah. mean, like the occult does come into the lyrics quite a bit. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's part of for myself what the draw is to metal is like there's this attitude where like, I don't care what you think. This is what the song's about. And if you don't like it, you know. Fuck, fuck off, off. basically yeah. you know <laughs> uh and you know you ask most metalheads like you know you have conversations with them about music and their tastes and stuff like that and they mm-hmm. really you know mo- they're all super super nice and love talking about music and are so passionate about it mm-hmm. but if you like don't like what they listen to they generally don't give a shit yeah. yeah you know and that's the cool thing about metal is it gives you that that cool feeling like confidence in in what you like you feel like you belong to something totally like, to a bigger community yeah metal <laughs> Should we talk about glam metal or yes? Yeah, Let's sure. Steve, you had mentioned you're into glam metal. Oh yes. Is that the same as hair metal? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Like like glam hair metal, like um, like Motley Crue, Twisted Sister. Yeah, the glam metal was was uh, popular in I think it was the early '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunset Strip, California kind of thing. Uh, bands like Poison. They kind of came about, and they were like an offshoot of some of the earlier rock, but they were trying to change things up and, and make more of a presence and that sort of stuff. So they started wearing, wearing like costumes and makeup and, and stuff like that. And Motley Crue kind of, I don't know if they were first, first to do it. I don't know. What do you think, Nikki? Like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about that time period of metal, but they're definitely like, I would say the, the biggest one right. to do it. Like there's, I can't think of any of the other ones that would have more of an impact or legacy. Yeah. I think that was where, the the gender blending almost if you want to call it where mm-hmm. you know you go to a, a rock show and it would come all these chicks that looked like dudes but they were actually dudes dressed as chicks basically yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know it was really funny because the music is heavy and and aggressive and and uh, uh mick mars the guitarist for motley Crue, like he like he's actually an incredible guitarist and some of his riffs are like um really really heavy um but yeah, they kind of gave way to bands like Poison and uh, like bands like Cinderella, who who took it like a lot farther. Where like you really couldn't tell if that was a guy or a girl. Like there's an album cover of Cinderella, I believe, and and they all look like you're like, oh, those girls are hot, man. <laughs> you know? And no, it turns out they're all dudes. They they really wanted to go for that. Uh, is it androgyny? Like yeah, yeah that yeah. look of like you know, you're not really sure. Uh, but then out came the more rockin' style kind of music, and it was an interesting... interesting. Like deep voices kind of thing? Well, I think... not Definitely not or with Motley Crue. Or the voice is androgynous, though. A lot of that style of music definitely employs a lot more of a higher resonance in, in the vocal range. Like Vince Neil from Motley Crue, uh, back when he could sing. Sorry, Vince. <laughs> what happened? Oh, he. Uh, I seen them a few years ago, and, and I've always been a big crew fan. But just when I seen them live, I was like, man, 
just wasn't as good. Like the rest of the guys were good, but like Vince sang, you know, out of 10 words, he sang like five or six. And then oh, it no. just, it seemed like it was more effort for him than, but it was, it was a good pyrotechnic show and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. And you heard all the classics and everything like that. But he played with Alice Cooper, like the uh, Alice Cooper opened for them. And nice. Alice Cooper is uh, an all time favorite of mine. I've seen him like five times now. And it was insane. I got a bad reputation. And the guy's in his 70s, too. Like, his whole show was, like, shock rock. Yeah. Which is an earlier form of, like, new metal now. And uh, everything about it was theatrical and, like, you know, Halloween-ish and, like, ghosts and ghouls. And, like, he would chop his head off in a guillotine every night kind of thing. And parents <laughs> thought he was actually chopping his head off and was, like, a straight-up demon. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that's where the tipper gore thing kind of came in and right. eventually that all led to the parental advisory uh stickers that are now on on oh, okay uh cds or bands uh music that uh, have any kind of those subject matters huh. checked off you know interesting yeah so and before that that stuff was just banned yeah pretty much <laughs> like they would people would protest against it and stuff like that and maybe just not let you play your show and you right. have to move on to the next town and the tour kind of thing which happened a lot to black sabbath especially from uh, religious groups who mm. thought, you know, they were anti-Christian and stuff like that, which is really funny because Black Sabbath always, every member of the band always had a cross hanging around their neck. But was that because they were into God and stuff or was it because they wanted to like I think fuck with people? I think probably <laughs> a, a little bit of both. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know their, uh, their religion specifically, but I do believe the, the story of the crosses is that somebody just gave them to them one time and they were like, oh yeah, this is fucking cool. Let's wear these. <laughs> and then from there on, they just wore them all the time. But they would have like burning crosses on the stage as well behind them while they were playing. So that didn't help their situation either. Right. Yeah. There's a, a, a branch of metal, I think called power metal that employs a lot of uh, dungeons and dragons and sorcery and all that sort of stuff as their main subject matter, like uh, Dio. That's a big one. And Dio, eventually, when Ozzy left Black Sabbath, yeah. Ronnie James Dio um, replaced Ozzy as the lead singer. And he's an incredible, incredible singer. He passed away a few years ago as well. And one of the things that is most significant with metalheads that you always see them doing at the show is they get like the devil horns, totally, right? Yeah. Like the two fingers up. And when Ronnie James Dio joined Black Sabbath, because of the nature of the subject matter about you know the occult and, and demons and wizards and stuff like that he being an old school italian um he would stick his fingers up like that all the time because that was known to be giving the devil eyes or the evil eyes or warding off the evil eyes if oh. someone was giving that to you because his grandmother was italian and she used to do that because yeah. she was superstitious so he kind of created that you know the devil horns it's actually called a maloik which is yeah. supposed to be like for keeping the devil away kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah, but now it's entirely associated with like, <laughs> you know, metal, <laughs> which is pretty cool. So, I mean, you guys have dropped like some terms here and there. Right. Can we clarify what some of the different types of metal are? Yeah. So what's thrash metal? Nikki, do you have a good uh, definition on that? I kind of know what I think it is. So thrash. Thrash metal to me, I like when I think of thrash metal is is like, um, and I don't know if Steve, this kind of resonates with you, but like a a mashup of some of the punk stuff that was happening at at the time. So yeah, like the music got a lot faster and more aggressive. It really is. It's one of those. It was one of the first kind of forms of metal that I really like dug into because it was like faster and more aggressive 
than anything I'd heard before. Like prime example would be Metallica. Everybody knows Metallica along with Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer are called the big four. Okay. Um, which are four original like thrash metal bands. I don't know if shredding is necessarily thrash, but I think shredding is what it started with thrash metal. Okay. So listen, thrash metal, according to Wikipedia, is an extreme subgenre of heavy metal music characterized by its overall aggression and often fast tempo. The songs usually use fast percussive beats and low register guitar riffs overlaid with shredding style oh, lead guitar go, work. Shred! Like I can shred. really shred! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would say that shredding is definitely a, a, a part of, uh, of it for sure. Okay, but what's shredding? Shredding is like... <laughs> So with a, a guitarist, uh, you know how you play chords like shredding is instead of a, a chord, you're playing the individual notes of a chord okay. or of a scale uh, and you're playing them generally very fast in a, a specific sequence. Playing He's really doing fast. a demo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flailing my fingers in the air. Yeah. He's I'm air shredding, shredding right now. <laughs> Can you guys think of an example of like amazing shredding? Oh, God. So many. In terms of musicians that I know that are, are shredders, um, there's so many. One of my favorites of all time is Zach Wild. He was actually a guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne um, when Ozzy was in his uh, the solo part of his career uh, post Black Sabbath. One of his guitarists uh, we had before Randy Rhodes had died. And Randy Rhodes was Zach's influence like all the way through. So he became Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist at 19 years old. Cool. But he is known for his insane ability to just like shred the fretboard. Like it's just insane to watch. Okay. Can I play you this example that I found? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Zach Wilde, insane solo HD. Oh, there you go. Okay. You ready? That's shredding. Yep. Yep. Look at the guitar. Yeah, that's his signature, um, the bullseye guitar. And if you just look at the guy, too, like, look at that gorgeous specimen. His hair, his hair is incredible. Isn't it? Yeah. And his beard to match. like he's His a guy leather with, vest. Yeah, he just looks like a badass. Yeah, he's pretty incredible. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea what shredding was. Now I know. Yeah. I just assumed, so in my mind, shredding is like you're playing the guitar so hard that you're like fraying the strings or you're like shredding the strings with oh, your yeah. guitar Yeah, <laughs> you, you could do that if your strings were made out of nylon, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so quickly before I move on to the next one, can you name again the four? Like the thrash bands? Or, yeah. There's uh, Metallica, Megadeth. Yeah. Anthrax and Slayer. Okay. Of those, can you think of anything that like in your mind totally personifies thrash metal? Ooh. <laughs> For me, some of the early Metallica stuff off of uh Kill 'em All, that's their their first album. Any song off that album um is just uh, that to me is like, you know, that's thrash metal for sure. Right. Megadeth same thing. Um Anthrax there's so many good Anthrax tunes, but anytime you listen to Anthrax, whatever stage of their career that they were in, because eventually Metallica kind of like softened up a little bit. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But Anthrax is always, anytime you hear an Anthrax song, you're like, fuck, yeah, that's thrash metal. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, what should I do? Should I do an Anthrax song uh, or should I do a Metallica song? You throw out a Metallica song because you okay. got it right there. So there's Seek and Destroy. That's a really good one. But this riff right here, if you play that in a room full of people, like at a concert hall or something, you will see every metal head come out of the woodwork and just start <laughs> banging their fucking head. Like, it's just one of the best, best Metallica riffs, I think. There's a lot of that, like, d- 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 yeah. That's kind of like, is that classic, like, yeah, that's like open metal or classic Metallica specifically? Classic Metallica for sure. Yeah, for sure. You see, a, you hear a lot of that in in metal in general. Is like a like heavy kind of like chugging on the open note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, an open note is basically where you're not you're not putting any fingers on the fretboard. You're just yeah. hitting the string, um, and you can do a thing called palm muting, which is where you take a little bit of the resonance out of the string yeah. by placing your palm on it. And when you hit that note, instead of it going jjj, it goes jum jum jum. And so you can add that in there and like make the open chugging sound different and, and add it in with other, like it, it's uh, a definitely a classic part of metal. Whenever you hear a metal song, there's going to be some of that in there somewhere. Totally. It's funny. Cause the Metallica that I think of, because I wasn't into this kind of music when I was younger, I think of like the stuff that made much music or whatever. So I think of oh, like yeah. enter Sandman. Oh yeah. And I don't think of this stuff. This sounds way more punky than yeah. how I think of Metallica. Yeah. The Enter Sandman stuff came like a lot later into mm-hmm. Metallica's career. And, um, after the Black album, that was the, that was after Injustice for All. So the Black album came out and there was a lot of fans who weren't really too into it because they kind of changed their style from more outright thrashy kind of longer songs to more almost like, like radio friendly or mm-hmm. yeah. kind of metal, yeah. you know, like thrash, like, it just it changed a little bit and kind kind of got a little bit more radio friendly and I think a lot of people weren't really too into it. Yeah, I still still love it because like, I like if it's catchy, I, I'm gonna like it. You know. Yeah. Um, that's why I listen to Hanson, I guess. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. I don't listen to Hanson. Yeah. What? What? I don't still have the Spice Girl CD. <laughs> okay. What's death metal? Death metal. Death metal would be. It's like a. A sort of like a heavier, darker version, I guess, of metal, and and then the the vocals are really like what sets it apart. What are the vocals? Just like the growling and like you you know they're saying stuff, but they don't really need to be. <laughs> you kind of can't really understand what they're saying. It sounds like if if you were to say that metal was channeling Satan, it would be death metal would be yeah. like a good place to start. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> <laughs> they, if I'm not mistaken, tend to low tune their guitars. Yeah. Like they'll tune them down. A, a guitar is normally tuned to E. So they would like tune it down lower on the scale just to give it like a heavier yeah. sound. Yeah. That's a, a pretty uh, general characteristic of, of most metal is like that lower sound of the, the detuned guitar. Um, yeah, death metal is definitely one of the the more crazy, I guess, if you want to call it that, like uh, subgenres of metal. Like yeah. <laughs> everything is super fast, and uh, they use a lot of uh, what they call blast beats on the drum, right. which is a it's a fairly constant beat, but it gets upwards of like you know 280 beats per minute, which is really fast. Like da 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 da. 
and a lot of the subject matter is based around, you know, death and okay. that sort of thing, uh, which is an interesting topic that to be interested in in the first place. But and you meet some of those guys and they're like the nicest guys ever. I mean, it's the only thing that we can all be sure of in life is that we're going to die. So this is true. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they uh one of my favorite death metal bands actually uh is uh, Cannibal Corpse. It's an interesting okay. band name, but uh yeah, every um everything on their albums and especially their album artwork is uh very death oriented and like their artwork is actually like it's pretty cool. Melody as an artist, you might uh, you might actually appreciate some yeah. of it. It's very like like cartoon like and, and very evil and like hell oriented, you know, like I'm trying to remember like an album, a name, but it's just, it's escaping me. I do remember one of my favorite songs, though, which is called Hammer Smash Face. Okay. I was just looking at them on YouTube. Evisceration Play. Yep. yep that's <laughs> Hammer Smashed Face. Yep. Intestinal Crank. <laughs> yeah. Song titles are crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Hammer Smashed Face. Yeah. There's the blast beat. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Wait till you hear the vocals. That's a perfect blast beat right there. I have a couple of technical questions. <laughs> First of all, one drummer is doing all of that? Yeah, one drummer. Huh. They use the double kick drum? Yeah, you're right. Like a, a double double bass pedal. Okay. Mm. That gives, gives it speed, but it also gives it like a lot more of the the heaviness, yeah. like the wall, the wall of sound. So That's generally, still, yeah, it's man, uh, they they'll have be. one or two drum, like uh, bass drums too, even like if they want to add more sound to it, they'll add a, like a second bass drum. What's his name from uh, Rush, actually? Not super, super metal, but uh, Neil Peart is his name, the drummer from Rush, one of the best drummers in the world. Uh, he had like a couple bass drums in front of him, and he had a 360-degree set, uh, which is pretty cool. Generally, so he was on a swivel chair is what yeah, you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But generally, most uh, metal drummers, yeah, you have a double kick pedal because that adds, instead of being able to go boom, tss, boom, tss, you can, you know, yeah, yeah. and they go really fast. And then if you obviously. alternate. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, because I was thinking of... <laughs> The Gypsy Kings. <laughs> oh, okay. When you hear them clap and it's like, <laughs> they have, it's like people alternating. That's yeah. how they do it. Oh, that's really cool. So it's similar. That is, actually. It is. <laughs> it is. Gypsy Kings, super metal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So the growling thing. Yes. How, how, how is that possible without destroying your throat? It's it's an interesting technique. I can't do it super well. Does it uh, hurt your throat? A little bit. I mean, you have to practice how to. Um, it's like a. It's supposed to be a guttural thing, okay. like like normal singing. It should come from the diaphragm, right? But as it comes up to the throat, there's you kind of just change the the sound of it by either. I think it's narrowing your vocal cords or something. Like if you can think of how you would make a an animal sound like. Yeah. That kind of effect that you do there is a very similar, but instead of just saying roar, you're adding in words like, fuck you. You know? <laughs> but the unfortunate thing about it is like, it's, it's a very hard thing on your vocal cords. I would think. And so the guys or, or girls, actually, there's some insane 
female metal vocalists out there. Yeah. Uh, Angela Gasso is one. Um, she's a, a, the lead singer for a band called Arch Enemy. And she is as talented as she is beautiful. Like you look at her and you're like, well, that woman is like uh, gorgeous. And then she starts screaming her head off and you're like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's crazy, crazy powerful. But I don't know, you know, about the longevity of being able to sing like that. The people who are good at it, obviously, you know, I know how to do it well enough that they're not destroying their throats entirely. Right. Right. Yeah. I wonder if they're like Celine Dion, if they like whisper all day until the big show. You never know, actually. <laughs> like our, our singer does that. Really? Yeah. Okay. So Arch Enemy, do you have a favorite song? Nemesis is coming up a lot. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. I want to hear. Her. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. There's quite a few She looks vocalists. really cool in the yeah. pictures. sounds so powerful you know like i think actually like ladies have oftentimes better metal vocals you know because they it seems like they have an easier time with getting that guttural like scream you know and it's, it's, it's from awesome. um, childbirth and screaming at our children <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true my wife was screaming pretty loud <laughs> i wouldn't have known that that was a female though i mean right. maybe to someone with a more attuned ear You'd be able to tell, but not me. It's pretty crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> okay, guys. Black metal. Yeah. I was big into black metal in high school. Okay, so what's black metal? There's a lot of characteristics to it that are that are interesting. Black metal specifically was one of the, the, the first bands to be kind of definitely linked to Satanism. Not just like, uh, you know, oh, they think that they're satanic. These guys are actually like burning churches down and stuff. Like outright, totally anti-Christian established religion kind of guys. Is it in black metal where you see people putting on like makeup to look like corpses? Yeah. Corpse okay. Faint, yeah. Corpse faint. Yeah. There's a couple uh, bands that I used to listen to that are, were really into that. Gorgoroth and Immortal. Immortal was a, is a big one. They're coming about in the, like the 80s, 90s, 90s. But like the first, what I call black metal band, it was called Venom. Venom. Yeah, and they were one of the first bands to blatantly put satanic subject matter, like, not just, you know, beating around the bush, kind of like, you know, talking about a figure in black or something yeah, like yeah. that. They were like, no, we fucking love Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs> yeah, you know, like... <laughs> Do you want to hear a clip of Venom? Sure. Do they have a song called Black Metal? Yeah, I was just going to say that. A okay, little, a little I was confused. Note. I'm like, where's the song title, though? I think there's discussion about whether or not they were the first ones to actually coin the term Black Metal. Okay. Because it was the title, it was the name of their second album that came out in uh, 82, I think. This seems like the perfect track yeah. to listen to. Yep. Okay, you guys had mentioned 
people in Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. Why is metal so popular in Scandinavia? Because it's like so popular in Germany. Yeah, Germany is really popular. The the Scandinavian like uh, Swedish black metal and, and uh, Norwegian uh, black metal uh, are really really popular. I think Norway's biggest cultural export is actually black metal. Like it's I, wild. Yeah, I don't. I'm not even joking. What's yeah. up with that? Well, Scandinavia is where the the Vikings are from, and they're pretty like Ooh, badass, yeah. rough and tough. Yeah, were they ever? People. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of metalheads look like Vikings. <laughs> the yes. beards and the the skulls and the the horns, long hair and beards. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like cold and dark there all the time. Yeah, like yeah, you're gonna listen to black metal anywhere. Like it's true, that's the place. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you do yeah. it. <laughs> I think you're right. It's like it's because it's cold and dark there all the time, and and. In, in black metal specifically, there's this thing about atmosphere in it where they almost sacrifice the quality of song structure and recording quality. Like they almost want it to seem kind of flattened off and not as voluminous and thick and like a little bit more flat sounding where the guitars just sound kind of all the, the same and there's not as much peak to it. And then the atmosphere that they add behind it kind of gives you that like, mm. like cold feeling, like almost every black metal album cover that you look at, you see they're like standing out in the wilderness in fucking t-shirts with corpse paint on, like taking pictures of themselves. Like <laughs> it's like a quintessential, yeah, black metal thing where they're like, oh, your album cover. Yeah, you're out in the forest uh, in you're the snow. You're freezing. Yeah, <laughs> got your corpse paint on though. <laughs> So there is an overall sound to it that's kind of more like... Yeah, like I mean, uh, when you listen to a lot of metal and you've listened to some of the different yeah. genres, it's a lot easier for you to pick out. You can be like, oh, that's that's a black metal sound. But yeah. But it, it sounded like that particular example was not growly. You could hear all of the vocals clearly. Yeah, because it was an earlier on version of black metal too. Okay. Um, and it's definitely changed a lot throughout the, throughout the years. Like some of the other Scandinavian black metal, like... Hellhammer and Merciful Fate, like those were bands around that same time too. But then in the 90s, when it really started to kind of change and get a lot harder and stuff, there was Mayhem. Immortal is a, a really famous Norwegian black metal band. Demi Borger and Gorgoroth, those are two bands that I listened to a lot in uh, high school. And they're like black metal that came a little bit after all that stuff, like uh, 90s, I think. Gorgoroth. Yeah. Oh, I see corpse paint. Yeah. Sign of an open eye, prosperity and beauty, carving a giant. Does any of this? Uh, yeah, carving Incipit a giant. Incipit Satan? That, that's probably a good one. It's got something about Satan in it. Let's do it. <laughs> So there's the video is like a montage of them and their makeup. <laughs> it's pretty intense. Yeah, they're they're pretty intense. Like, and they're they're actual Satanists. Uh, at least uh, a few of them are. And in that headbangers journey, um, 
documentary, there's a, a clip where Sam Dunn is interviewing the lead singer, I believe. And he's sitting there and it's like, he's in like the basement of like Dracula's friggin' castle or something, man. Like it's so <laughs> dark and eerie in there. And like, you can just barely see his face and he's just sitting there like not moving, just like stroking his glass of wine kind of thing. And, uh, I think the question was like, what is the primary driving force or, or subject behind your, your music? And he, you know, pauses for what seems like 10 seconds or something and then like reaches down, takes a sip of his wine very carefully and then which just is says, actually blood. Yeah. And then he just like Satan. And that's all he says. And you're just like, Oh, look at my hairs on my arms is prickled up. I'm like, that dude is, he's legit. <laughs> okay. Black metal. Yeah. So Nikki, when we were talking about this, you mentioned metalcore and deathcore. So metalcore is like a mash up of heavy metal and hardcore yeah and it's usually like i guess the earlier stuff could be like suicidal tendencies they had like a skate punk kind of vibe in their metal oh yeah but i usually think about it of bands more like in the starting in the late 90s that were kind of coming out of more of like the tough guy hardcore scene which is has a lot of breakdowns and yeah, which totally. is where the tempo of the music actually slows down. And that's when everyone would go in the pit and throw down and lose their marbles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what makes metalcore metalcore? They'll still have the metal riffs and it's more technical. Like hardcore is pretty simple and straightforward. Whereas metal is, you know, the songs are longer, they're more complex. There's arguably more skill involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's basically like, for me, it's taking the best of both worlds and putting them together. Who's your, uh, do you have a favorite, like uh, a favorite now? Converge is definitely, they're like top three, if not my favorite metalcore band. Okay. I I listened to their, I think it was their first album. They do it all. And they actually get into, you remember we were talking about math core and like math metal. Mm -hmm. So some people call Converge math core because they have some pretty techie stuff in their music and they have tempo changes and it almost has sometimes like a jazz kind of treatment of timing and tempo. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Like it's, it's just really well-crafted music and it has all of the catharsis that you're looking for in a band like that. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Okay. So I'm going to play the saddest day. Yeah, you can definitely tell, like, there's a lot of technicality there. Totally. Let me skip ahead a bit. Oh, yeah. There's your breakdown. I mean, it's not the heaviest breakdown that I've ever heard, but it's one of my favorites because there's that little riff in the middle that's like, it's almost atonal or it's like unresolved. Mm. And it, it just it really leaves you wanting more. Yeah, it kind of leaves you like wanting a little bit more. I like that. Okay, so then what's deathcore? Deathcore would be death metal mashed up with hardcore. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what it, I think. It's like death death metal and and metalcore and like and hard like what you just said there. Okay, what's a classic deathcore song? Would you say? Classic deathcore band. I used to listen to Despised Icon a lot. My brother got me. My brother was more into like deathcore than I was. He got me into them. They're from, I think they're from Montreal. Yeah. And they're 
bananas. <laughs> Just bananas. They're a pretty good example of uh, deathcore. Excellent. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Quebec bands, but they have a little something extra. <laughs> that is true, actually. Uh, I used to, um, an old girlfriend of mine, uh, when we moved away to college and university, we went to separate universities after high school, and she lived in Montreal, and we would always go to a show or something, like when I would come see her. And uh, every single time we went out to a show, it was like metal, like death metal bands everywhere. And like, I loved it. Like I was right up at the stage every time with a picture of like the worst beer in the world. It was like <laughs> Boreal or something like that. Just nasty French beer. You ever had cool lager? I don't think I have. Actually. It's disgusting. That's <laughs> don't get it. <laughs> I mean, or do you get it, but you might barf later. You'll yeah. definitely get a headache. I did grow up drinking like Colt 45 and stuff. So like, maybe uh, you could handle I, I it. Yeah, handle yeah, it yeah. Yeah. Okay. Despised icon MVP. Yeah. Okay. I'm clicking it. MVP. The beat is insane. Yeah. Yeah, It's crazy. uh, They play really fast. Drummers, like, that's one of my favorite things about the heavier uh, genres like that, like death metal and deathcore and stuff, is the Mm -hmm. drummers are fucking animals yeah yeah and like if you know anything about so playing muscular. drums like it's it's a crazy like physical right, yeah. workout and these guys are just like all over the place so fast and so precise with their technical technical abilities too it's like it's really impressive totally yeah it's I'm not kidding. like it's not my style of music to play you know um but like i, f- I find it incredible to, to watch yeah no kidding there's something about drummers too that like you know, in the heavier genres, uh, or even, I guess, rock and stuff like that. But a lot of the time, drummers are like always crazy guys. Oh, the yeah. drummer in my band, we call him the mad scientist. <laughs> uh, his name is Sean. And he's just like this. He's an incredible guy. Really, really super smart. But when it comes to music, we'll be playing something. He'll just be like, ah, hang on a sec. I got it. And he'll literally like hum a song or start playing drums to himself humming. And he'll write a song right there in front of you. Nice. And he'd be like, try this. And then we'll, we'll play it. We'll be like, what the hell, dude? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Like, he did, it's incredible. Like his ability to just like pull things out of the air and, and, and create melodies and stuff. And then, and then drum to what he just wrote in his head kind of thing. Yeah. And like come up with a beat for it on the spot. Yeah. He's like a mad scientist. Cool. Yes. Is he one of the ones you've been working with for a while? Yeah. A couple of years. The rhythm guitarist, his name is Skyler. Uh, we call him the architect. He is the one that I've been writing music with for over 10 years now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Okay, wait. So you have a mad scientist and the architect. Yep. So who are you? What's your What's your other name? Uh, I don't have a cool nickname, actually. Let's like, give him one. Yeah. Like, if anyone has any suggestions out there, I like, <laughs> it's like Steve. Like, you know, it's not like a, there's no cool nicknames that go with Steve, <laughs> like other than Scuba. You know, Scuba Steve. Scuba Steve. But uh, yeah, we are, my lead guitarist, his name is uh, Shreddy Kruger. <laughs> you know because he's he's an incredible guitarist like he can just any song you can think of be like oh what's that song and he'll just start playing it because he can just pick it up in his head and then my lead singer we call him papa kev because he's 10 years older than all of us and you're know. on bass i'm on bass okay i'm gonna stew on it hopefully by the end of the yeah if anyone has any suggestions out there too like you know yeah. write it in send them in yes please We'll send you a bumper sticker if you send a cool nickname suggestion there you go <laughs> there you go I mean, we'll send you a bumper sticker anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whether you want them or not. <laughs> okay, what was the most amazing concert you guys have ever been to? 
Ooh, I've been to a lot of concerts. Uh, I can uh, name, I can name a couple spe- uh, specifically metal shows. I guess specifically metal. Yeah. Um. Well, in terms of like, like, sh- like just the type of music, yeah, that I listen to and stuff. I've seen. Steve, have um, you seen Slayer? No. Oh no, actually, I haven't. They that was always been on my bucket list, but they're. I I don't know if they're ever going to tour or anything like that again, but I've never seen them. I've never had the pleasure. I followed Jason Momoa on Instagram and he went backstage for what was supposed to be this year, like their last show ever. But I hope that that's not true. Yeah. I hope that that's not true. I think my most, like the best metal show I've ever been to, I've seen Alice Cooper and every time, you know, that's an older type of metal, but like every time I just, it's such a great show. Like the my mom ran away from home to see an Alice Cooper concert, so he's uh he must be onto something. <laughs> really, amazing! Donna. That's awesome. I love your mom. <laughs> Donna, send pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I think uh, Alice Cooper is one of my favorite. Other than I've seen Lamb of God before, they're one of my all-time favorite bands for sure. Um. I've been a fan with of them since they started too, where they were called Burn the Priest. But yeah, that was uh, definitely one of my favorite metal performances ever. But one of my favorite shows ever, just because it's like probably my one of my favorite bands of all time. Handsome Brothers. Damn it! You're supposed <laughs> to say anything. No. Uh, it was actually the Foo Fighters. It's actually the Foo Fighters. I'm a big nice. Foo Fighters fan. Uh, it's not. They're not metal. They're more like rock and roll. But yeah. I just I love Dave Grohl so much. Like he's just a god. He's the nicest guy ever, and like he's just an incredible songwriter. Plays with everyone. Have totally. you seen uh, his Fresh Pots videos? Yes, <laughs> Fresh Pots, Fresh Pots. <laughs> the man loves coffee. <laughs> yes, yeah. The Foo Fighters one was just it was special because I'd wanted to for so so long, and then uh, my wife Tara and I decided to go. I think it was last summer to see them in toronto and it was just oh it was epic nice yeah i was just on the edge of my seat the whole time because every song that i love by them they played and they they play a full show too a lot of bands you go and you see they play like an hour and a half two hours kind of yeah. thing foo fighters play for three hours plus wow yeah and they're like you know we're not not gonna play for that long because you guys came here to see a fucking show we're gonna give you a fucking show Nice. And that's what he says. Like, he even broke his leg falling off stage at a show on his tour uh, a couple years back and still played the guitar laying on the ground with a broken leg, left the show, got reset, came back to the show and finished the show with a broken leg. And then everyone just waiting for him to come back. I guess. Yeah. (laughs) And then he finished the rest of the tour with a broken leg and they made a Game of Thrones, like, you know, the Iron Throne chair. Out yeah. of guitars instead of swords, <laughs> and he sat in that in the middle of the stage and, and finished the rest of the tour. <laughs> what a guy! Yeah, that's that's pretty metal. <laughs> and he was best friends with uh, the Godfather Lemmy of Motorhead, so like that's a, it's it's pretty metal. Nice. Yeah, he's got some cred. What about you, Nikki? I I loved Lamb of God too. I saw them like a number of times. And they were one of the bands that I think did a really successful crossover between metal and hardcore. Like they played hardcore shows and metal shows. Like they managed to mm-hmm. bridge the divide. But I guess the show that left the most lasting impression was I went to a Warp Tour in 2001, I think. And From Autumn to Ashes was playing 
on this little side stage and they have this song at the end of their album called, what is it called? Sad songs with tragic endings. And at the very end, there's like an acoustic part and there's a woman singing and it's all very emo, (laughs) which was, you know, what I needed at that time. Exactly what, What you needed. Yeah. But the power cut out during their set and it was just before that, part of the song came on. So they just went into singing the song and they invited everyone who was in the audience to come up and sing and everyone knew the words. So it was like watching a choir sing the end of the song that I just loved so much. And it like still kind of gives me shivers (laughs) when I think about it. It was really, yeah, it left an impact. That's cool. I love when bands do that and there's something about like like metal music where uh you know you feel that interaction with the band almost even if you're the person like way in the back you know and like Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden points at you and he's like you yeah you and you're like me (laughs) like you feel like he's talking specifically to you and like you know there's just that that feeling of connection and interaction with uh with the band I, it just seems so much more uh real and alive with metal music yeah like they want you to get up there and get into it how do people in the death metal community feel about the eagles of death metal <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> because they're calling themselves like almost like folk metal that's basically what they're doing right i think so yeah Oh my God, Melanie, you, when you just said Eagles of Death Metal, it finally clicked that it was like, they're the band, the Eagles to Death Metal. <laughs> and I always thought it was like birds playing Death Metal and that's why they weren't actually Death Metal. <laughs> so thank you for saying that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's pretty metal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they're saying though. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I heard that name on the radio today or something. And I was like, oh, that's like I've heard it a couple of times recently. I was like, I kind of like re-listen to these guys because I think I listened to them like a long time yeah, ago. I actually and, love them. And I don't really know anything about them now. <laughs> okay, guys, we didn't talk about your favorite Slayer songs. Ooh. What's your favorite Slayer song? My favorite one is probably one of the first ones that I ever heard which is uh, Seasons in the Abyss. Okay. Seasons okay. of the Abyss. That's like my all-time favorite one, I'm pretty sure. But I have a different song that I like the beat, like I have a favorite beginning of a song, and that's Raining in Blood. Oh my God, that's my actual, like, legit favorite Slayer song. Oh yeah? Nice. Okay, so we'll start with that one. I used to have one of those, like, old-school ginormous three cd disc players that was like the size of a house and it had a function where you could set an alarm to a song and so for like three years that's the song i woke up to (laughs) (laughs) my like 19 year old self (laughs) (laughs) yeah when it gets going it's amazing i had the god hates us all album i have all their albums but uh like the dvd like the live dvd of it and i just absolutely loved when they start that song 
and then like the blood starts like dripping down like onto them from above them and like the light show and they're all covered in blood and just like tearing ass oh it's so good <laughs> if you're you know like shredding guitar yeah with blood raining down on you would it affect your guitar playing like in the real world <laughs> uh yeah a little bit maybe but like these guys are so good yeah. Uh, they've been doing it for so long that like one of the harder things to do is play precisely like that with that kind of stuff. But when like, you're covered in blood, when you're, yeah, <laughs> uh, when you're moving around and then like adding covered in blood. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Raining blood. Probably one of my favorite song intros. Okay, Steve, what was the other song you said before? Uh, Seasons of the Abyss. Seasons of the Abyss. I'm pretty sure my wife, Tara, would kill me if I woke up to that song every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally could, but like, uh, I, I don't, you know, because I love my wife and all that sort of stuff. She's not a metalhead, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> but she tolerates my loud music, so. Yeah, this is like the first Slayer song I ever heard, I think. school when i first started listening to a little bit heavier stuff like that i yeah. had a couple friends who were really into a lot of the black metal and death metal i would borrow their cds so i came about my first slayer cd uh by accident uh, i just never gave it back to my friend that left yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was like i like this too much man sorry bro you're not getting yeah. it back <laughs> i have a couple of books like that except i was just lazy <laughs> <laughs> So Slayer, you guys both like Slayer. So yeah. yeah, they're pretty amazing. They're one of those long-standing thrash bands. They've survived throughout the years mm-hmm. and have really still thrived. Like everybody who loves Slayer, yeah, fucking loves Slayer. Oh yeah. Like I've never met the guy who was like, you know, I was really into Slayer like one summer. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's instead of listen to it. Yeah, anymore. now instead it's like the guy that has Slayer like carved into his arm or something. The fans of them are intense. Totally. And Tom Araya, the lead singer, he's uh, plays bass as well. His singing style is more of like a shouting, thrashy kind of style, but the lyrical content, if you listen to it, it's uh, he likes to stir up shit, <laughs> which is, as a young adolescent male, I was all about that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And it, <laughs> right. So, Nikki, do you want to talk about the Indonesian metal scene? Oh, yeah. I think it was 2010, 2009, yeah. 2010 when I went to Indonesia. That was a decade ago. Officially. Yeah. <laughs> As of a couple of days ago. 
I studied anthropology in university and I had heard about the, you know, the like large and, and kind of intense, awesome punk scene in Indonesia, specifically in Bandung, which is the city that I ended up staying in for three weeks. I can't remember exactly, but they have this really big activist community within the punk scene that does things like set up free schools and uh, help people build houses and raise money for people when they can't afford their medical bills. And it was like a really, I was really interested in learning more about that. So that's what my research actually was. It was an urban anthropological course. And so when I got there, I discovered like this counterpart of the metal scene uh, which is the biggest in Asia cool. um, by far and has a few bands that are like pretty well known and like sort of tour Europe as well. Cool. And it was like a pretty mind blowing experience. Just these super friendly laid back dudes who were also involved with that, not to the same extent as the punk community, but were also involved in some sort of community organizing. That's cool. But the coolest thing was uh, this band called Karending Attack. And a Karending is a bamboo instrument that is similar to a Jew's harp. Okay. Um, it's a traditional traditional Sundanese instrument. Indonesia is made up of like a bunch of different ethnicities and the Sundanese are sort of a bigger one on the island of Java. And so it was one of their traditional instruments. And so Karending Attack is essentially a bunch of metalheads who are covering metal songs, but playing them on all these like old school, traditional Indonesian instruments. And it's like, that's cool. The coolest shit in the world. That's neat. So you sent me a link to them covering Sepultura. Is that how you say it? Yeah. That's a great band. You want to hear it? Oh, yeah. It's very cool, Nikki. Very cool. case like metal is is transcending the the traditional kind of americanized you know instruments usually associated with it yeah it's very cool yeah yeah steve we've come to the plug portion of the show Ooh, tell me about your band what's your favorite <laughs> song of your band uh my band is called eve of uprise 
And we're like, I guess in terms of what we've been kind of classifying through in our conversation here, we're a little bit metal. Both of my guitarists and my drummer are heavily influenced with metal, like like myself. They all listen to a lot of uh, Lamb of God and, and all that sort of stuff. And we have five guys in the band. Uh, Sean is uh, Sean Schoonrock is the drummer. Brandon Corbett is the lead guitarist. Skylar Nicholson is the rhythm guitarist. Kevin Chofi is our lead singer. And then Mr. Needs Ham himself, me, is uh, slapping the bass. <laughs> nice. We've got, we've, got a, we've got an album, basically, that we've written. I think we're at like 13 or 14 songs now. It's just in the process of like recording each of them. We were going to yeah. do a whole album at once. But it seems that the fashion nowadays isn't so much to necessarily do a full album right away. It seems a lot of pans are like going the route of releasing singles now. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what we've been doing. Cool. Uh, so we have four singles out currently that are all on Spotify and iTunes and nice. Apple Music, Google Play, all that sort of stuff. Cool. And the first one that we wrote was called Rules and Revolutions. And then we released another one called Whiskey Rocks, which uh, there is an official music video for that one on YouTube that we wrote and shot and, and uh, had done by Dark Moon Productions, Joe Moon. I'll give Joe a little plug here because he's fucking awesome. So we shot that with him and it turned out really well. So that was our second single. Yeah. And uh, we actually, for the music video, we went to Top Shelf Distillers here yeah. in Perth and got a bunch of their uh, their brand new whiskey and, and empty whiskey bottles and, and made iced tea all day long for the people that were in the music video. And now <laughs> everyone that knows us and was there doesn't, hates iced tea now. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun though. And then our third single was called Valedictorian. And if I was to pick one, Valedictorian was our third one. And that was mainly written by Skylar. And that one is kind of like, based on the subject matter, our baby. And it's about depression and basically trying to you know let people know that they're not alone and there's always someone to talk to and trying to be positive about the situation and and the subject and and bring awareness to it to people and and musically that song was kind of like at the point when we wrote it it was like our pierre de la resistance kind of thing like just in terms of song structure mm-hmm. it's not crazy uh technical or anything like that but the way it turned out it just it turned out really beautifully <laughs> thinking about like i don't listen to albums the way i used to like i don't i don't put an album on from start to finish yeah and i know that there's like a craft to creating an album so now that they're streaming like is the way that you approach putting together an album has that changed well uh, with this band we didn't really have like a concept or in like, terms for an album specifically so yeah i guess yeah it does we have I like, feel like before streaming like if you listened to an album in its entirety there was 
a reason why the songs were in the order that they were. Right. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Really, the order of our release and stuff like that right now is based off of what we thought were quality enough that people might actually want to hear it. <laughs> um, but in terms of like the the craft behind it, we found that the last album that I did with a previous band, it was really like going in to record all the songs at once kind of thing. You would go in and the way the recording process works is you go in and you lay all your bed tracks where you, where you basically play all the songs through, get a really rough recording. And then the drummer goes back in and perfects his mm-hmm. drums and the bass player goes back in and perfects his bass and guitarist and so forth and so on. So I feel like unless you're in the studio for that length of period where you get to do it all kind of like back to back to back to back, there's a small disconnect, I feel like from, from right. the song in a way where like that energy that you create in the studio when you're recording one song at a time, you're really yeah. get into it and you're, you know, the wheels spin a little bit differently, I find. And with these songs so far that we've done, the song structure, it's all pretty much the same. But when we get in the studio and we get, you know, advice from the producer, who's a real professional, Steve Foley at Audio Valley Studios in Ottawa, Ontario, he's incredible. He's like a Juno judge and everything like that. And uh, Ooh, cool. that kind of direction really helps us like, oh, okay, you know, maybe we should put this here and and that there instead and take that little section out because it's not overly necessary and stuff. And you have the time to do that. Whereas when you're doing it all at once, you know, you're like, whatever, fuck it, let's go. Come on, we got like six more songs to go. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like sometimes maybe the quality suffers a little bit, maybe. But uh, so far, the the order that we've released them in is really just which ones we're ready first. That makes total sense. Which also must be kind of like a nice thing about streaming too, is you don't have to have a full album. Yeah, actually. And it's the streaming thing is really interesting because you can pay attention to some metrics that you Mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to know about before. Like Mm -hmm. uh, with our Spotify account, you can see every single country where somebody has listened to you. So like we have people from Bulgaria listening to us. We're cool. uh, like last month we had, uh, it was like 120 some people from Japan listen to us. <laughs> like we're on a radio station right now on a regular daily rotation in New Zealand, Chaos FM. It's like 87.4 FM, I think. Uh, <laughs> but like amazing. in New Zealand, you know, like it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool. Nice. The cool thing about streaming and the internet and all that sort of stuff is you can now get it out to a, a, a super wide audience right Mm -hmm. with somewhat more ease now making it popular is another thing because there's so much out there nowadays that you have to compete with you really have to separate yourself but you know what though that's true of like literally everything exactly there's just so many people yeah and (laughs) as far as i'm concerned like the extent that we've taken it so far like i have a music video you know i'm on my second album with a second band played you know from 50 to 100 shows and and live all over the place if that's as far as it ever goes i'm cool with that because like it's been pretty awesome and i never expected to really take it this far anyway so yeah yeah yeah, anything after this is is just you know another feather in the cap kind of thing and i mean you're on a podcast so that's a big deal (laughs) that's another check off my uh, my list too so i've always wanted to do Steve, uh, where can people find your band? Do you have any shows coming up? We have a show tomorrow night, actually. Oh, um, it's after this airs. Though. Yeah, yeah. So or before I, this airs, I mean. Everyone that's listening, you will have missed it, but uh, it was a good time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you were there, you yeah. loved it. Yes. But we do a lot of stuff downtown Ottawa, like at Mavericks, right on Rideau Street there, which is a great, great music venue. But that is the first show and only one of 2020 that we have scheduled thus far, but uh, you can follow us on Facebook, 
uh, Eve of Uprise or a YouTube, YouTube channel, uh, Instagram as well at Eve of Uprise as well as Twitter. Same thing. And on there, you guys can keep up to date with everything that we're doing. Nice. On Spotify, we just had another single released, which is called Heaven's Little Devil. And that one's a pretty rocking kind of bluesy kind of hard rock song that uh, everybody will like. And uh, again, all can be found on all the interweb stuff. Nice. All the Amazon <laughs> music, Google, all that sort of stuff. Hey, Nikki. Yes. Do you have anything you want to plug? Well, I mean, we were talking about how jazz and metal have some stuff in common. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So if you like jazz and whiskey, come down to the Emmett Ray. <laughs> Love whiskey. My husband's bar at College in Dovercourt in Toronto, Ontario. Cool, cool, cool. Drink some whiskey, listen to some jazz. Think Drink like how... really expensive whiskey. Drink like super expensive whiskey and <laughs> think about the connections between jazz and metal. Mm, I like that. Right Do you have a favorite type of whiskey, Nikki? Or are you, a whis- <gasps> are you a whiskey drinker? I have become a whiskey drinker in the five or six years that we've been together. I definitely like bourbon. And in terms of like not American whiskey, I really like port finished whiskeys, which okay. means that it's aged in a port cask. Like it's just a really like wine kind of cask or like... Yeah. Okay. But port is like a fortified wine. Right. But it just gives them like a really buttery, smooth finish that I really like. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. Glenn Morangi has a really good one. All right. I yeah. just finished the other day, uh, oh, sorry, over Christmas with my brother-in-law. I finished a bottle of uh, 18-year Glenn Fittich. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How can you go wrong? Sorry. <laughs> Glenn Livet, my bad. Oh, even yes. better. Yes. Uh, it was given to me by a, a client of mine a few years ago and been slowly nipping yeah. away at it. And then we just finished over the holidays. It was awesome. Nice. Melody, nice. do you have anything to plug? My website is melodystarkweather.ca where I have paintings and stuff. The podcast is at teachmetigerpodcast.ca at teachmetigerpodcast on Instagram and Facebook. And if you like the show, you can support us by telling your friends, subscribing, rating and reviewing. The show also helps a lot. And last but not least, you can give us money. Even better. Like $2 Mm -hmm. gets you bonus episodes. Give us your money. Yes. And that's at patreon.com slash teach me tiger podcast. Are you guys listening? I forgot to ask. What are you listening to? I mean, we talked a lot about metal. Are you listening to any cool podcasts or anything? Books on tape? <laughs> I listen to a, a bunch of different podcasts. And for right now, I'm kind of on like the, I don't know what you call it, like uh, self-motivation kind of stuff. Like I'm oh, listening yeah? to a bunch of Tony Robbins. <laughs> new year, new you. Uh, well, I've been listening <laughs> to him for a little while, actually. I just, oddly enough, like aside from the amazing content that he has, I just love the sound of the guy's voice for some reason. If you give yourself just a little bit of time, and if you'll be a little more loving to yourself, I think you're going to find you've got a lot to give. I can fucking feel it. Yeah. Like it's just very it's raspy and like intense, but I find it calming and some, for some mm-hmm. reason. I don't know why. Because uh, you listen in, to metal. Yeah. And in that vein, there's another guy I listen to, Ed Milet, yeah. Tim Ferriss podcast and the Joe Rogan podcast. I listen to those. But I've been on a little bit of a Rob Zombie kick lately. Oh, have music. you? Yeah, and my two-year-old, Remy Wolf, she loves Rob Zombie. <laughs> it's hilarious. People don't believe me when I tell them that she loves it, but like uh, when I pick her up from daycare, we usually you know, get in the car, give her a blanket and a, a snack, and then she says, music, daddy, music. So I'll put in Rob Zombie and just crank like Dragula or, or you know, Thunder Kiss 1965, and she just sits in the back and like rocks back and forth. <laughs> 
amazing. I couldn't be happier about it. <laughs> so do you, so good. do you teach her like proper headbanging technique? I try. Because there must be proper technique. There, well, it's a good idea to warm up before you go into yeah. doing some headbanging. Yeah. Because like uh, the older you get, and I say this from experience, uh, <laughs> I've headbanged uh, a little bit lately at a couple of shows. And the next day, woken up and just been like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, not prepared for it. Mm. So a little bit, you know, some neck stretching, maybe right. some tequila shots and a few beers, something like that will help. Um, a little social but, lubricant. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe don't go crazy right off the bat. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, your neck gets a little sore pretty quick unless you're used to it. All right. Yeah. It seems like it would give me a headache. It, yeah, it can. Yeah, very, <laughs> very easily. She's, she doesn't headbang very much, um, but she, I've been trying to get her to do the, the devil horns lately. She can't <laughs> nice. quite keep that pinky finger up yet, but she says, rock and roll, daddy. <laughs> yeah. Nikki, what are you listening to? I'm listening to a podcast called Halo Raylo, which is about Ray and Kylo Ren in Star Wars about shipping oh. them together. So it's like a three part. It's just like a little mini series by these three women that I'm really enjoying. I'm really, nice. I'm trying to find podcasts about Star Wars from a female perspective because it's right. very dude heavy. Right. So. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Halo Raylo. It's a good one. Halo Raylo. The music I've been listening to is so like polar opposite of metal. So I'm going to go with a podcast. <laughs> which I finished before Christmas, but I didn't mention it on here, which is Bad Batch. Have you guys listened to it? No. I feel like I've heard of that for some reason. I'm sure you have. Yeah. Um, it's on the Wondery Network. And it's about a doctor who basically made a bunch of people sick, selling them like bad stem cells. And it goes into the whole stem cell industry. And it's... Oh, wow. That I mean, it's like, could go wrong very easily. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want to give too much away, but it's a great series. Huh. I forget how many parts it is. Like maybe six episodes. So it's like true medical crime. It is true medical crime. That's right. Mm-hmm. What was I the other I one? Dr. Death. Dr. Death was the other one in that vein. That was a while ago. Did you listen to that one, Steve? I have not listened to that one. No. I would recommend Dr. Death and Bad Batch if you're interested in medical, okay. uh, true medical crime. My wife, Tara, is like obsessed with that stuff. Yeah. like loves more movies and like documentaries about it, like serial killers and like, you know, people who do bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just <laughs> finds it so fascinating. Like she watches all of them and she can tell you like any famous murderer and like serial killer or anything like that. She usually knows like the story behind it and can yeah. tell you all kinds of information about it. Yeah. Really True crime is very on vogue. Yeah, and, and the people that are into it are like really into it too. I'm so into it. Yeah, and I can see why. Like it's it's a thrilling just learning about how fucked up people can be. And I think also like people look at it as sort of like preparation a little bit too, uh, maybe. Yeah, that's a good like idea. If you're prepared, <laughs> you know how crazy people can be, then you can protect yourself. True enough. Anyway. It is a crazy world out there. It is. Some might say it's a jungle out there. <laughs> Sweet tie-in. <laughs> Set it up and nobody knocks it down. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys. Nice okay. to meet you, Steve. Yeah, it was really lovely to meet you and, and have this conversation with you, Nikki. It was, yeah, really, it was awesome. really awesome. It was educational for me, too. <laughs> Excellent. I learned a lot as well. Thank you. So do you guys want to like roar in tandem or should Steve roar? Maybe Steve should roar. Maybe yeah, I want to hear that metal roar. I can roar for you. Okay. <laughs> and remember...
It's a jungle out there. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) I've been saving that one. Teach me, Tiger, how to tease you. still like what girls do metal but like yeah they fucking do man like (laughs) and are amazing at it